Good morning, church. This morning's reading is from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 5 to 9. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go to your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray like this. Our father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. This is the word of God. Good morning, everybody. Once again, it is so lovely to be together as God's people, to worship God, to pray to God, and to listen to God's word. We've had two great weeks. We had uh, Jomo and Glenn with us. What a joy it is to have them. I love listening to Jomo and Glenn. Uh, this week, you back with me, back to uh, Bread and Water. So if you can turn to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at verse 5 to 9. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 to 9. Just one or two things. Um, first of all, you can still sign up for Christianity Explored this afternoon at 5.30. Why don't you join us? Why don't you invite someone to come with you and uh, join us for uh, Christianity Explored? Um, and then just to mention that after the sermon, um, we're going to be having communion so uh, when the sermon gets boring, you may want to get some bread and uh, or a rusk or a biscuit or uh, grape juice, water, um, because we'll have communion straight after we've listened to God's word. We're going to be spending three weeks uh, looking at prayer. Uh, what is prayer? How do we pray? What to pray? And we're going to be learning from the master himself, the Lord Jesus, and um We'll be looking at the Lord's Prayer, and I think it's most appropriate for us at this time in the lockdown, and especially as Gauteng is under significant pressure at the moment for us to learn more about prayer and then to pray more. So we'll be spending three weeks here in Matthew chapter 6. The Lord's Prayer is actually in Matthew's Gospel and Luke's Gospel, but uh, we'll be looking at the portion here in Matthew's Gospel. So let me pray and ask the Lord to speak to us through his word. Father, we pray that you may draw near to us as you have in these last minutes, as we have sung, as we have listened to your word, as we have shared with each other. We now especially pray, Lord, that God the Holy Spirit may draw near to us, may open your word to us, and that we may know that we have met with the living God as we've read the living word. Meet with us, we pray, for Christ's sake. Amen. Every human being on planet Earth prays, or at least has prayed at some time, in their lives. Perhaps uh, you prayed as a child. Perhaps you uh, prayed when you scored that goal. Um, 
You certainly prayed when you were in a crisis. I don't think there are any atheists when there's a tragedy. Only human beings pray. Uh, there's no evidence that animals pray, except, of course, for the praying mantis. I have my doubts. So in one sense, prayer is, prayer is natural, prayer is spontaneous. But in another sense, few things can be as difficult as consistent, regular prayer. In fact, if you want to make a Christian feel guilty, really guilty, all you have to ask them is, how is your prayer life? If you were to ask me, Martin, how is your prayer life, you would make me feel guilty. You know how it is? New Year's resolutions, number one, uh, need to spend more time with the family. Number two, need to exercise three, three times a week. Number three, I need to pray more. Luke tells us that the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And so Jesus answered their request by teaching them what is known as the Lord's Prayer. It's an extraordinary prayer. It's 52 words. And yet it's been said by hundreds and hundreds of millions of people through the ages in every possible language under the sun. Now, as I said, both, prayer is both natural and unnatural to us. It's both. So in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it is natural to us. Why? Because we are made in the image of God. In fact, Genesis 2, verse 7 says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. So all the animals, as human beings, were made of the dust, but only human beings did God breathe into them the breath of life. What that means is we have a spirit, we have a soul. We have a natural inbuilt ability to want to communicate with God. But it's also unnatural to us because of the four, Genesis 3, our three great enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil, are constantly persuading us not to pray. So the normal Christian experience, and uh, I've been a Christian for many, many years, is a kind of a tug of war when it comes to prayer. So on the one hand, um, uh, at times prayer is spontaneous, it's joyful, it's natural. But at other times, it's so hard. It's so agonizing. That is the normal Christian experience. We have both the indwelling spirit and we have indwelling sin. So if you have that tug-of-war experience with prayer, well, you're in good company. I think that's one of the signs of a Christian, that we struggle from time to time with prayer. Sometimes it's joyful and natural and spontaneous, and other times it can be so difficult. And that's why we need to go back to the basics, back to the fundamentals. One of the greatest golfers of all time was Jack, uh, Jack Nicklaus. And uh, evidently, once a year, he would go back to his golfing coach and say to him, teach me again how to play golf. Now, Jack Nicholas, I'm told, uh, played exceptional golf. But he knew that he needed to go back to the basics, back to the fundamentals. So like, like the disciples, we go back to Jesus and say, Lord, teach us to pray. And that's what we're going to be doing as we work through the Lord's Prayer. So we're going to spend three weeks. Uh, this week will be somewhat introductory, and we're actually only going to deal with the first four words, Our Father in Heaven. 
And then next week, we'll have a look at verse 9 and 10, which concerns God's glory. And then the third week, we'll look at verse 11 to 15, which speaks about our dependence on God's grace. So that's what we'll be doing. Let's dig in straight away. There are three principles that will help us as we unpack this passage that has been read to you. We want to look at three principles. The Lord, Lord's Prayer is, is from the Lord of Prayer. Secondly, the Lord's Prayer is the prototype. And the third thing is that the Lord's Prayer starts with God. So let's, uh, let's dig in. Principle number one, Lord's Prayer is from the Lord of Prayer. So when you read the Gospels, and if you haven't read the Gospels for some time, uh, do yourself a favor and read through the Gospels. Um, try and read through one of the Gospels in one sitting and uh, get a bird's eye view of the man called Jesus, the man God called Jesus. Despite the fact that he was God, the son of God, he was a man of prayer. He often prayed in, in public, but more often he prayed in private. So the Gospels give us numerous examples of Jesus, the Son of God, at prayer. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, we read, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he went to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Luke chapter 5, verse 16 says, But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. John spends an entire chapter, chapter 17, uh, where he records the final prayer of Jesus uh, before the cross. So Jesus really is the Lord of prayer. So if we want to learn about prayer, I think the best place to go is to go to the expert and uh, go to the best person uh, to teach us. And like all experts, he doesn't give us a long list of rules and regulations. No, he gives us the basics. He gives us the fundamentals. So the Lord's masterclass in prayer is not a one-year diploma. It's not a five-year PhD. No, it's 52 words. Lord, teach us to pray. The other reason Jesus is the Lord of prayer is because he's both God and man. So as God, he knows precisely what prayers God will answer. And that's why he gives us the Lord's prayer. But he also knows precisely what prayers God will not answer. So notice there verse 5. Have you got it there? Matthew 6 verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. So he knows what prayers, as God, God will listen to and what prayers he wouldn't listen to. But Jesus, as man, he knows the reasons we struggle with prayer. Because he was a man and he lived amongst us. He's been here. He knows what it's like living in a broken, dysfunctional world. He knows what it's like to, to be crushed by responsibilities, to be paralyzed by fear. He knows what it's like to be tired, to be exhausted. He knows what it's like to live with temptation. So Hebrews, remember Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, we read, For we do not have a high priest, that's Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. 
So that means when we struggle with life, when we struggle with temptations, when we struggle with prayer, he knows what it's like. He knows what it's like to be weary and tired and exhausted and discouraged and depressed. He's been here. He's seen it. He's lived amongst us. He's able to sympathize with our weaknesses in every respect because he has been tempted like we are. He understands. The Lord of prayer. I can remember a couple of times here at Christ Church Madrand, at our school, at Love Trust, where I have faced, uh, like all of us, there are times you, you face these absolutely insurmountable problems. And there have been times, perhaps half a dozen, where you lie awake at night, you can't sleep, and you just cannot see your way through. And it's just this insurmountable mountain. And I can remember times going onto the field here at the church or into the felt in earlier days and actually not being able to pray. I was so stressed. I was so tied up. And all I could say is, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. I think God understands. He is the Lord of prayer. He understands. Our second principle is that not only is the Lord's prayer from the Lord of prayer, but the Lord's prayer is a prototype for us. So there are countless, there are dozens and dozens of prayers in both the Old and New Testament from which we can learn. There's some wonderful prayers. Um, but in a sense, what we have here is the original. We have the template. We have the prototype. Um, and it's a flexible prayer. What do I mean by that? I think we could use it in at least two different ways. Either we can use it as a pattern for prayer. So in the NIV, chapter 6, verse 9 says, This then is how you should pray. Not what you should pray, but how you should pray. So here's an outline which you can expand Here's the skeleton that you can flesh out. So it gives us the basic pattern, the basic principles to guide us in our prayers. And as I mentioned earlier on, there are two parts, there are two halves to this prayer. The first half uh, is a concern for God's glory, your name, your kingdom, your will. And then the second half is a dependence on God's grace. Give us forgive us, deliver us. So we have here a pattern. We have here a prototype of how to pray. And our first concern is not us. Our first concern is God and his glory and his name and his honor. And then we pray for our own needs. In a sense, it's a little bit like the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments have two halves. The first half is the duty towards God. And the second half is our duty towards our neighbor. And so we have that same, that same division, that same pattern here in, here in the Lord's Prayer. So, so it's a pattern for us. Uh, it gives us principles, gives us guidelines as how we are to pray. A second way I think we can use the Lord's Prayer is when we use the exact words. So turn with me quickly to, to Luke chapter 11, verse 1. 
So here's Luke's um, record of the teaching of Jesus on the Lord's Prayer. Luke chapter 11, turn to that, verse 1 and 2. And uh, Luke says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father. So it's perfectly normal for us to use the exact words. So we do that sometimes here at church. You may do it at school. You may do it in your personal devotions. You may do that in your family devotions. We can use the exact word. So it's not only a pattern and a skeleton, but we can use the exact words for our own prayers. Obviously, not in a mechanical way or a mindless way. It's not a mantra. No, we do so thoughtfully. We do so personally. We are, we are mindful of what we are saying. So there are times when, 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 uh, when, when you may be so exhausted, perhaps you've spent the whole night up with a screaming baby or the whole week up with a screaming baby, and you don't have any energy to pray. You can pray the Lord's Prayer thoughtfully. Perhaps you've been under huge, huge pressure, working long nights, uh, weekends, uh, it's your end, uh, or there's just unbelievable pressure at work and you just haven't been able to find time or energy to pray. Well, pray the Lord's Prayer before you go to bed, thoughtfully, mindfully of what you are saying. Sometimes you may be in a crisis. I know a family here in our church went through a, through a huge crisis in their family. And when they got the news, they didn't know what to do. And so they decided just to hold hands and to pray the Lord's Prayer, which brought them peace because the Lord's Prayer brought them to the Lord. So we can use it both as a pattern and we can use it and use the actual words. Principle number three. First principle is the Lord's Prayer is from the Lord of Prayer. Second principle is the Lord's Prayer is the prototype. And the third principle, which will be the longest this time, is the Lord's Prayer starts with God. So I want us to notice three things. Let's go back to Matthew. I'm still in Luke. Matthew chapter 6. Three things about God uh, in the Lord's Prayer, especially in these first four words. Verse 9, pray then like this, our Father in heaven. So the most important thing that Jesus is telling us here is that prayer is not about methods or techniques. Do this, do that. It's not whether you sit or stand or kneel or hold your hands up or arms up. It's not about that. It's not techniques. It's theology. It's your doctrine of God. So the first thing Jesus teaches us is that prayer has to do with words. If if prayer is words, it means you are speaking to another person. It means you have a relationship. You see, prayer takes its shape from the deity to whom you pray. So if your deity is impersonal, distant, unknowable, if your de deity can be manipulated, well, then mechanical, ritualistic prayers will do. If that's the kind of God you have, he's impersonal, he's, impersonal, he's distant, 
Well, then it's verse 7. They babble like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. The Hindus have a prayer wheel. It's like a cylinder. And they've wrapped a prayer or a mantra around that cylinder. And their belief is that you can turn that wheel. And uh, it has the same effect, they believe, as saying the prayer. So it's purely mechanical. It's a ritual. You will have some Roman Catholic nuns who may recite Hail Mary a hundred times while they're holding the rosary. You may even have someone taking the Lord's Prayer that we have right here and say, well, if I say it a hundred times every day, God will bless me. Well, my dear friends, that is nonsense. What kind of God is chiefly impressed by the volume of your words or the number of hours or the mechanics of prayer? What kind of God is that? God is not mechanical so that we mindlessly appeal to him and think we can manipulate him. I mean, what kind of God is that? Another example of the deity you worship is that if your God is the cosmos or Mother Earth or if your God is your inner being or your inner consciousness, well, then mindless contemplation will do. You empty your mind. It's a mindless... Mm. Buddhism teaches Buddhist practice for years how to empty their minds of all thought so that they can meditate. Now, my dear friends, if your God, our God is a person, if he is knowable, if he hears, if he listens, if he speaks, well, then prayer is words. It's talking. Speech is how persons relate to each other. So God is not a force that we relate to him by feeling him. God is not an idea that we relate to him by thinking about him. No, he's a person. How do we relate to persons? Well, we relate to persons by listening to them and speaking to them. And God speaks to us through his word, and we speak to him through prayer. So prayer is not techniques. Prayer is theology. Who is the God you are speaking to? And if he is the God of the Bible, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, well, we relate to him by speaking to him in prayer. Second thing to note here, our Father in heaven, the word there, Father, it's an extraordinary word. It's the word Abba, our Father in heaven. What an extraordinary concept that you can speak to the creator of the universe. You can speak to the judge of all the earth. You can speak to the sovereign Lord and call him my father. Well, of course, that means that I must be his child, his adopted child. The original word in Aramaic was Abba, which has the idea. So it's important that we get this right. It has the idea both of intimacy and respect. So in translation, Abba is more than just father. Uh, but it's more respectful than just daddy. It, it's something like dear dad. Something like dearest father. In French, it's papa. 
So Jesus tells us to begin our prayers by addressing the transcendent creator of all the universe and call him dearest dad. I mean, what on earth was, what on earth was Jesus thinking? In the Jewish culture, you would never describe or call or pray to God as father. He was, you would speak to him as, as Jehovah, as as Yahweh, as creator, as sovereign Lord. In fact, the word father is only used in this context 14 times in the Old Testament, and each time it's an impersonal reference to Israel, not to an individual. So he speaks of Israel's father. He doesn't speak of Abraham's father. So Jesus was the first one to make the fatherhood of God personal. No one in the history of the world, in any religion, ever addressed God as Father. You couldn't make this up. You see, what, what Jesus wants us to understand is because of the cross, because of the substitutionary death of Christ, which at this point is future, because of God's amazing grace and his forgiveness to sinners like you and me, we can be adopted into God's family. We are not servants. No, we are sons and daughters. We belong. I think many of our problems with prayer originate from our failure to comprehend these first two words. The key to growth in prayer is not better techniques, it's better theology. Some of you, some of you come from, and I know this, some of you having uh, been your pastor, some of you come from dysfunctional families, you've had dysfunctional fathers, you've had absent fathers, some of you tragically have had abusive fathers. Your heavenly father's not like that. He's not like that. He's perfect. He's good. He's always available. He hears, he listens, he cares. He loves you more than you can imagine. He knows everything about you and me, everything. And he still loves us. I mean, isn't that amazing? He loves it when we listen to him. He loves it when we speak to him. He loves it when we open our hearts to him. Matt O'Connor in 2004 uh, got divorced and he was denied access to his two boys, Daniel and Alexander. So in 2004, he started an organization called Fathers for Justice. He went to the law courts, he took on the British government, he received national, international recognition, and he gained access to his two boys. And he said, I quote, I did it all just so that I could see my two boys. Christ went to the cross just so that we could call him dear dad and talk to him. Surely, surely it must grieve our heavenly father who sacrificed his son to rescue us to adopt us into his family. Surely it grieves him when we're so reluctant to talk to him. 
Surely our Father in heaven looks down and says, I love you so much. Can't you just for a moment get off that cell phone talking to people who can't help you and talk to me? The third thing we notice about these four verses and about God in the Lord's Prayer. Notice there verse 9. We'll come back to this again next week. Um, Our Father in heaven. So when Jesus says our Father in heaven, he's not reminding us that God is distant. God is not distant. He's reminding us that God is immeasurably greater than us. Heaven is beyond us. It's above us. So it's almost a counterfoil to our Father. It's almost the other side of the coin. He is our dad, our dearest dad. But he's not your pal. He's not your buddy. He's not your girlfriend. No, he's transcendent. He's sovereign. He's seated at the right hand of God. He's God. Our Father in heaven. So there is a sense of of unbelievable intimacy, dear dad. But there's also a sense of unbelievable humility and awe and worship our Father in heaven. I've used this quote before, but please bear with me. It's such a wonderful quote, and it's a long quote, so you need to stay with me. It's beautiful English. It's from the book called Wind in the Willows by Kenneth Graham. There's a chapter called The Piper at the Gates of Dawn. Little portly, the baby otter, has gone missing. And uh, Mole and Rat set off to search for him. And he's been missing for days, and all the otters have been hunting high and low without any success. They'd asked every animal for miles around, but no one had seen Little portly. So Rat and Mole spend the night paddling upstream in a boat, but no portly. And then just as dawn started to break, Rat heard a beautiful but strange sound of distant piping. It came and went. Surely you can hear it, says Rat to Mole. It roused in me a longing that is painful, and nothing seems worthwhile but just to hear that sound once more and go on listening to it forever. Hey, there it is again. Then suddenly the Mole felt a great awe fall upon him. An awe that turned his muscles to water, bowed his head and rooted his feet to the ground. It was no panic terror. Indeed, he felt wonderfully at peace and happy, but it was an awe that smote and held him. And without seeing, he knew it could only mean that some august presence was very, very near. With difficulty, he turned to look for his friend and saw him at his side, cowed, stricken and trembling violently. And still there was utter silence in the populous bird-haunted branches around them. And still the light grew and grew. Trembling, he raised his humble head. And then in that utter clearness of the imminent dawn, while nature flushed with fullness of incredible color, seemed to hold a breath for the event, he looked in the very eyes of the friend and helper. 
saw the backward sweep of the curved horns gleaming in the growing daylight, saw the stern hooked nose between the kindly eyes that were looking down on them humorously, while the bearded mouth broke into a half smile at the corners, saw the rippling muscles on the arm that lay across the broad chest, the long supple hand holding the pan pipes only just fallen away from the parted lips, saw the splendid curves of the shaggy limbs disposed in majestic ease, saw last of all, nestling between his very hooves, sleeping soundly in entire peace and contentment, the little round podgy childish form of the baby, baby otter, portly. All this he saw for one moment, breathless and intense, vivid on the morning sky, and still as he looked, he lived. And still as he lived, he wondered. Rat, he found breath to whisper, shaking. Are you afraid? Afraid, murmured the rat, his eye shining with unutterable love. Afraid of him? Oh, never. Never. And yet, and yet, oh, more, I am afraid. Then the two animals, crouching to the earth, bowed their heads and did worship. End of quote. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Rat, are you afraid? Oh, never, never, he says. And yet, yet... I am afraid. And they worshipped. Our Father in heaven. Let me close by... Oh, that's, uh, that's so moving, that picture, isn't it? Oh. Let me close by answering the, the question. How do we pray this prayer? Here's the template. Here's the, here's the model. Here's the structure. Our Father in heaven. How do we pray that? So imagine you are, you are driving back from work. You're stuck at the Baklu interchange and uh, the traffic isn't moving. And uh, you think to yourself, my goodness, I haven't prayed today. Why don't I turn off the radio, the stupid radio? And um, let me pray. Our Father. Dear Heavenly Father, dearest, dearest Dad, dearest Father, thank you for adopting me. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me so that I could become your child. Thank you for your incredible love, your amazing grace. Thank you for sending your spirit into my life so that I could be your child and you could be my father. Thank you that I'm part of a family, the church family, where we together pray our Father. Our Father in heaven, Lord, thank you that you are so awesome. You are so majestic. You are infinite. You are omnipotent. You are omnipresent. You are clothed in majesty and holiness. Thank you that you are good. Thank you that you are holy. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you care for me as a loving father in heaven, cares for his or her child. That's how we pray. Our Father in heaven. Well, let's pray together.
Oh Lord, how do we respond to your amazing, your amazing love, your amazing grace that we are your children, that you are our Father. Oh Lord, you love us even though you know everything about us. Father, I wouldn't even love myself, but you do. So, Lord, I thank you for what you've done for me. I thank you for the cross, which makes it possible for me to speak to you and relate to you and know you. Father, forgive us, forgive me, when there have been too many days and too many weeks, oh, Lord, when we haven't prayed, too many weeks we've forgotten how wonderful you are as our Father. Oh Lord, forgive us, cleanse us, wash us, especially now as we come to the Lord's table, wash us again and remind us, Lord, of what you have done for us so that you could be our Father. Lord, work in us and help us, Lord, to, to be more committed. Give us your spirit, Lord. We can't do this ourselves. Without your spirit, without your presence, without your power, we can't do these things, Lord. So will you help us and by your spirit, fill us and empower us that we may know you more and more. And we pray all these things for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, having sat under the authority of God's word and having reflected on the wonderful fatherhood of God. We come now to the Lord's table where we remember how we became his children. Now, if you haven't yet, you may want to quickly get some bread or a biscuit or a rusk or get grape juice or orange juice or water. It doesn't really matter. There's nothing magical about the bread or the grape juice we remember what Christ has done for us uh, through these symbols. So you may want to get that now while you're getting it. There may be children and teenagers who have joined us. You are most welcome if you know and love the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the most important thing. And when we come to the Lord's table, whether you are old or young, we always do so thoughtfully, seriously, reflecting on what God did to make us his children, the cross. So that's what we do at the Lord's table. There's nothing mystical about what we're doing, no. We remember these wonderful, wonderful events, these wonderful truths of what Christ did for us so that we could be his children. I'm going to read from the prayer book, that helps us. It's really just words from Scripture. And then when I drink from the cup and eat of the bread, join me as, as I do so. So join me as I drink, as I eat, then you do so as well. On the night that the Lord Jesus was betrayed, so that's the night before Passover, he took bread, and when he had given you thanks, he broke it. He gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, 
This is my body, which is given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And then after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given you thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from this, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you. Drink it in remembrance of me. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that we have just fed upon. And we thank you for your table, which reminds us so vividly of the broken body and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died for people like you and me. He died in my place. Oh, Lord, it's so hard to imagine someone dying for you and yet dying for me. How amazing. We thank you for what you did for us so that we could become your children, so that we could call you Father, so that we don't have to live in fear and superstition, but we can know the creator of the universe, the judge of the earth, and we can know him as Father because of the cross. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your amazing grace. We thank you for your your forgiveness, your love, your mercy, none of which we deserve for a moment. And help us, Lord, wash us, cleanse us anew this morning as we've heard your word, as we've remembered your death, would you cleanse us and wash us anew, afresh. And Lord, will you fill us again with your Holy Spirit so that we may live for you. Lord, there's nothing else worth living for. Nothing and living for the King of glory, the King of kings. Fill us with your spirit that we may live for Christ and die for Christ. So, Lord, we commit ourselves to you. Be with us this week. We do pray for our loved ones, our church family, your hand of protection upon them. We pray for those who have the virus, those in quarantine, those who are struggling financially, relationally, Oh, Lord, we all need your help and your Holy Spirit and your hand upon us in these days. We pray that you may become more and more precious to us, uh, especially in the days in which we live. Go with us, keep us, and we pray this for Christ's sake. Amen. So it's been great to have you here with us today. Thank you for joining us, and we'll be back next week, God willing. Uh, Matthew chapter 6. And we'll continue from verse 9, our Father in heaven. God bless you. Have a good week.